This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, May 21st, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Subsidies for public broadcasting are not justified. To those who love public broadcasting, the best reason to defund it might be this. Politicians won't have as strong a stake in controlling the content. Trevor Burris is a legal associate at the Cato Institute and author of the new paper, If You Love Something, Set It Free, A Case for Defunding Public Broadcasting. There used to be a commercial that PBS ran, and it was a very simple slogan. I believe it was something to the effect of, if PBS doesn't do it, who will? And that was their slogan for a while. And since the burgeoning of cable, uh, since on-demand TV programs, Netflix streaming into people's homes has made – has answered that question, I think, to a large extent. Uh, what now? Well, that may have been true uh, back in the day, so to speak, when when – the public broadcasting began and the Johnson signed the Public Broadcasting Act of 1967. There were three stations and public broadcasting was seen as primarily educational, enriching, culturally enriching thing to give people you know, the works of Shakespeare and co- coverage of government, local government, national government, things like that, science documentaries. And, and in the 70s, uh, public broadcasting put on documentaries uh, that were significant. Uh, Civilization was one in the, in the first one, uh, one of those 13-part ones with the book. Now it's hard to say that they have a unique role. And the important thing to ask after that is should government be funding something that clearly can exist without government funding? And does just the existence of it, the continued existence of it, uh, does that justify continuing to fund it just because there are people who have jobs and there's already an infrastructure set up? We need to ask those questions. The most basic test uh, that I hear a lot of people make about uh, pieces of fiscal policy is the Yellow Pages test. If I can find this in the Yellow Pages, there's, there's little justification already for government involvement. Exactly. And of course, the Yellow Pages here is your 150 cable channels, six discovery channels, TED Talks coming over the internet, YouTube, people producing documentaries. And public broadcasting is looking, and this is PBS and NPR and all the other, and all the other uh, stations, they're looking for a niche. And right now, uh, they have viewership. They have a the big audience, especially NPR. The audience has been growing consistently. And it's worth asking the question of whether or not it's worth it to have them federally funded. And that's not them not existing anymore because it's a really small part of their budget, actually. They get most of it from fundraising. It's them getting off of the federal budget so they can get out of this discussion that we have in Washington seemingly every two years. Talk about that, the, the uh, range of – sources of funding from which public broadcasting uh, gets its operations uh, budget. I know that they're funded not just at the federal level, but also state and local levels. So how does that how does that play out? It's it's a mess to 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 say the least. Uh, trying to figure out exactly what the footprint is. They di- different states give different amount of funding. The corporation of public broadcasting generally gives out these community service grants, which go to non non commercial radio license holders or TV license holders, and then they use that money to run their operations, and they also use it to buy programming back from NPR and and PBS. So it becomes a big circular thing, and it's really hard to figure out. It's about fifteen percent probably for federal funding for all of public broadcasting. P, uh, NPR gets a little bit less. They often claim one to three percent, uh, which is a little disingenuous. But all that is actually somewhat irrelevant to the main point, which is whatever the footprint of federal funding is in public broadcasting, it clearly affects their decision making. It clearly affects what they put on TV, who they fire. They fired 
uh, three people after the Juan Williams thing. They fired uh, they fired uh, Vivian Schiller, Ellen Weiss, and then Vivian Schiller. And uh, Ellen Weiss particularly had been instrumental to NPR's creation as a unique voice, all things considered particularly. And uh, she's gone now entirely as a uh, lamb sacrifice to the political dogs. And why, why do they need this anymore? <clears throat> Having worked in public radio uh, when I was in college, I understand that the, pretty much the largest budget item that uh, these stations have is buying programming from the national uh, NPR affiliate. Are you making an argument beyond federal funding? I wouldn't make that argument as a general point of view. Uh, I, but we can focus first on the federal funding and then approach it with states individually. I don't think the government should be having a foothold in the marketplace of ideas. And this is where the, the idea of bias comes in that's very interesting. Everyone's, there's a huge amount of people who think that public broadcasting is biased against them. And of course, they have an objection on principle if the national message, the the you know, government-approved public interest message doesn't include their viewpoint. Of course, there are so many of these people, and they may be marginalized. Uh, they're, you know, Scientologists don't get a lot of airing on public broadcasting, and other marginal groups of all different types, from religions to you know whatever. But is there any reason that your government should continue your own marginalization by by marginalizing you with your own taxpayer money? That seems a monstrous proposition. The way Republicans have handled NPR in the past. It's been treated as a whipping boy. I listen to NPR every single day. Me too. Uh, without exception. And uh, the, how it is used as a whipping boy is very much disproportionate uh, to the level of funding that NPR and public broadcasting in general derives from the federal government. And that's a disconnect that uh, – I think you argue is once you get rid of that, it's harder to make those kinds of claims. It's a disconnect that's that's oddly baked into the cake, though, because the sort of hidden truth about public broadcasting is that before the federal funding came in, there was a vibrant non-commercial broadcasting s sector that was able to air starkly dissenting uh, viewpoints, and th it was. One of the reasons they started federally funding public broadcasting was so they could control the message. And I don't mean this in the most pernicious way. I simply mean that politicians who think they're acting in the public interest, as long as they're funding something, they think it is their duty to ensure that that thing is behaving in the public interest as they construe it. And of course, that is a fundamentally political question. There is no broad consensus on what public interest is when you come down to the content of broadcasting. And that's really the ultimate problem. Harkening back years, years ago, uh, President Nixon had used uh, his ability to uh, renew licenses to influence uh, the way that certain radio stations uh, talked about ideas, what ideas eventually were aired, what qualified as public service broadcasting. So it's not at all unprecedented that, that the government views media outlets to the extent that they can control them as something that they should control. Oh, absolutely. And President Nixon uh, particularly – uh, because we have some some interesting internal memos about how much he tried to control public broadcasting, and he was he became a pretty obsessed with broadcasting because you know he had done the checker speech in uh, to save his political career, and then he he nearly loses the debate, maybe the election with Kennedy by his sweaty performance in the debate. So he was very aware of how media, and so he was constantly at their throats. And a lot of people think that that was sort of the the when the soul of public broadcasting was created when they realized that if they went 
over that line, uh, either side, the administration, the, the Congress, whatever, would come down and crack the whip. And so they just tow this middle line that's kind of watered down and, you know, can't, can't go too far to either side. And that, that doesn't help anyone. Trevor Burris is a legal associate at the Cato Institute. You can download the paper, If You Love Something, Set It Free, A Case for Defunding Public Broadcasting, at our website, cato.org.